Today I'm joined by two of the UK's leading businesswomen. Chrissy Rucker, OBE, founder of The White Company, and Anushka Dukas, MBE, founder of Anushka Jewellery. The duo are patrons of Women Supporting Women, part of the Prince's Trust, and this October the 13th, they launched The Brilliant Breakfast, a fundraiser created to support young women who are out of employment and those that have been most affected by COVID. It's an initiative that every woman, if you ask us, should and could get behind. Today, I wanted to find out how they are, how they've coped during this year's pandemic and to find out more about their initiative and to encourage you to host your own brilliant breakfast. A heads up that today's podcast was recorded remotely. So if the sound quality isn't tip top, then do please forgive us. Welcome, Chrissy and Anushka. How lovely to be chatting to you both today. How are you? Very good, thank you. Yeah. Very good. Lovely to chat to you too, George. It's been a long I, time. I know. I think we're just going to manage with three people and the technology remotely. Hopefully there won't be too many hiccups along the way. Chrissy, I'm going to come to you first. How did you get on a lockdown? Well, I think it started off being a bit of a shock. We were very lucky. We were all at home in Buckinghamshire and it was fantastic because all four children came home. And actually, I think, you know, that was something that was completely unexpected, really. I mean, you know, there we were working away one day and suddenly the next day we were all back at home and grounded. In the beginning, I think it was pretty stressful to begin with. And, um, you know, I mean, none of us have ever known anything like this. So Mm. when it all kicked off, there was actually sort of quite a lot of moments where actually the whole team couldn't really believe that it was actually happening. I was in daily contact with my CEO and members of the team. I think we all switched to working literally 24-7 because all the changes we needed to make had to happen so quickly. Have you, had you done any sort of crisis planning? Were there any systems set up were this ever to happen and people weren't going to be able to get to work or were you just making it up as you went along? We'd certainly had never had a run through with every single person working from home. So that required, you know, quite a serious amount of manoeuvring. Yeah. A lot of us worked remotely from time to time, but certainly, you know, the entire team of 350 yeah. weren't used to working like that at all. So... We had to rush out and buy lots of laptops because obviously we couldn't have people dialing in from their home computers because we had to make sure that it was all very secure. God, 350 laptops. I bet bet you made somebody's day. (laughs) Like there's 350 white company staff who all need a laptop. Anushka, were you the same? (laughs) I mean, I know you also have four children. They're a bit more grown up than Chrissy's, some of them. Were they at home? Well, most of them are. They all came home. I mean, they came from kind of all over the world, actually. Ollie, my number two, was in Australia doing a kind of um, coding course. And much to his absolute horror, I said, no, you need to come home in case you get stuck in Australia forever. Anyway, so he came home, I think kind of almost last flight out of Australia. You know, I was every five minutes ringing saying, are you in Singapore now? Where are you now? (laughs) And so he was home. Marina, who's my eldest, she came home. She works in London. But, you know, she's absolutely working her socks off. She's in cyber security. She thinks all her Christmases have come at once. And then Chloe, or poor Chloe, I think anybody that's got kids who are, you know, graduating. She was at Edinburgh. And um, she should have had the graduation, should have had all of that. But she was quite busy, I guess, from the middle of March writing a dissertation. And Oscar's last one, and he should have been on his gap year. 
and um, you know, poor thing had to also rush home from Africa somewhere. Oh. And um, yeah, anyway, so they're all at home, which is, as Chrissy said, absolutely lovely for us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've got a friend with all the children. She said, "God, who thought I'd have had my four like big grown-up babies all at home?" She said, "It's yeah. just." It's been so shit, but I also feel so lucky. I think lots of people feel it. Lots of positives, lots of negatives. So you've got a daughter at university, Chrissy. What's happening there? Where is she and what's the situation? I've still got two at university. The two girls have gone back. They're actually, they're living in flats, so they're out of the first year. So thankfully, they're not in the halls, but they're living with their flatmates and, you know, all having to keep safely, you know, tucked up away together. Oscar's my youngest. He's just completed pressure week number two. Anyway, mm. I can tell you that every, I mean, they've all got positive tests, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, oh, really? I mean, he's come home because whilst he's not positive, otherwise he's going to be literally in his halls with food being delivered to him, you know, in a flat of six people he doesn't really know very well. So I was just like, actually, better to come home. But there are very few lectures going on, you know, they're all virtual. I think it's and so tough for this age group. I mean, it's, I think the toughest of all of the, you know, these kind of 18 to 30, it's really tough. And in terms of work, Anushka, how did you find it being um, at home and managing your team? Did that happen fairly seamlessly or was it well, full of headaches? I am so lucky because I have a CEO who is an absolute tech fanatic and weirdly really weirdly he had actually got everybody up and running on laptops about a month before lockdown so we were incredibly well equipped for everybody to work from home and dial in and etc but I'm so hopeless on the tech I've got a lot better I mean I think probably you know Chrissy and I have talked quite a lot with panic calls Chrissy yeah <laughs> yeah, we had a weekly panic call <laughs> to check what yeah. each one was doing and were we all doing the right things. What sort of things were you sharing? What were your panic calls about? Oh, well, I mean, quite a lot about closing stores. Well, Chris has obviously got rather a lot more to close than I had. <laughs> but there was quite a lot about that. There was a lot about all this kind of, you know... Chris, you were talking about the warehouse quite a lot, weren't you, at the time? Yeah, I mean, we had to close 62 stores overnight. and um, oh, And then obviously... The most important thing for us was to keep the warehouse up and running. But obviously it had to run, you know, completely COVID securely. And I think it was all at the beginning when it all happened, it was quite confusing what we were actually supposed to be doing or not doing. So mm. there was sort of, it was navigating that, you know, and then really just sort of making sure that we kept, you know, the communication open with everybody within the team because, Everybody was scared. And um, we had 350 in our head office and we had to move them to working from home. And we had to make sure that that was secure. And I hadn't really realised quite (laughs) what that entailed. And I suppose there was a moment of fear, really, would we have to shut all of the shops, which meant that we lost half of our sales overnight. And if we'd had to shut the warehouse as well then we would have literally gone to zero turnover. So that was a very frightening moment. And I remember mm. getting on the phone to quite a lot of other business owners and just say, sort of saying, you know, what are you doing? What are you finding? And a couple of them had actually shut their warehouses and I was ringing up and saying, what was it that made you shut them? What wasn't safe enough? And 
it was actually a rather incredible time where I think we all reached out to lots of sort of friends and colleagues and other business owners and we all shared information together to sort of we were all just trying to you know navigate our way through and so you didn't close your warehouse but you did close your stores we closed the stores we didn't close the warehouse we then had to move quickly, so we, we reforecasted the business. We assumed no sales from retail for six months, which gave us real focus on controlling the costs that we could. Mm. We had to do all sorts of things, like we had to redesign some of the brochures because obviously our, we do our shoots sort of three, four months in advance, and, and some of the planned marketing campaigns were all about summer parties and summer getting together, and suddenly yeah. that felt completely the wrong thing to be communicating so we had to rework some of the brochures and some of the stories we wanted to tell and then you know as online sales increased we then had to work out how to deploy more of our team to the warehouse and also sort of we had to hire people quite quickly to help support and actually to to manage the switch in sales to online. And then, of course, the biggest challenges for us were managing the flow of product, lots of product coming in from other countries. And as each country sort of went into their form of lockdown, and lots of stock got stuck in the ports or it was stuck in the warehouses. And And was any stock coming through or was it just complete lockdown on that front as well? Was there a period where just nothing could get through or did for retail brands, were there ways? I think it just, it depended where it was in the cycle. I think, you know, a lot of warehouses literally shut down overnight. So Mm. they just stopped working. And then, of course, there were all sorts of problems because lots of people were trying to ship things urgently and then they couldn't. And so lots of stock just got stuck sitting in ports. A logistical nightmare. Logistical nightmare, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Being a very product-orientated company, you know, I spend most of my week in product meetings. Suddenly, there we were having to create new products, whether that was a, you know, a coat for the winter or you know, a pair of pyjamas or whether it was something for the home, you know, trying to sort of smell, you know, a new scent. We had to learn to do all of that digitally. So we yeah, were literally yeah. holding up bits of fabric to the screen. And, can you um, see the texture? It's really Can cool. you see the texture? <laughs> well, I get yeah. that, but I can't see how you can smell yeah. it. <laughs> and there have been some amazing numbers to come from retail brands and obviously the home sector's really boomed. Did you feel that, like everyone has reported, that people were investing in their homes more and that was definitely some positivity to come out of the retail market wasn't it? I mean fortunately our digital channel held up extremely well and I think you know there was when the stores shut there was a moment of pause and I think a moment of Mm. shock actually through the country Mm. and then gradually I think as more and more people found themselves at home they were suddenly eating three meals a day at home and in their homes the whole time I think that importance of making home feel as special as it possibly could grew and grew I think we've been incredibly fortunate throughout and we also found we recruited a huge number of new customers in lockdown and I think again people were at home and on their computers much more than usual so Mm. but we had you know those sort of challenges we faced with things like our delivery partners because Suddenly, I mean, every home delivery business in the world was being asked to deliver sometimes twice as much as they would have done normally. And and then, of course, all the 
the drivers and the delivery vans, they weren't expecting this. Mm. So there were all sorts of things that came along. But thankfully, mm. you know, our sales have held up very well. Oh, I'm pleased, Tara. I, I remember, I don't know at what point in lockdown it was, receiving your brochure and such a sensitive and heartfelt letter from you. I remember thinking how I meant to message you so saying how brilliantly I thought you'd worded it. Anyway, do you think it's changed your business model for the long term in terms of digital versus, uh, you know, a high street present, a store presence? I mean, for us, no. As a lifestyle brand and, uh, you know, we're multi-category, multi-channel, our business model thankfully doesn't need to change. The mix of what our customer buys will possibly change marginally, but we're actually pretty agile at that anyway. So, mm. you know, we're just learning as we go along. I think we mm. are being cautious in terms of opening any new stores, but I'm happy to say that, you know, our stores are all open and, you know, they're all, you know, coming back really. Yeah, how do, how do they so, feel now? I mean, I've been shopping and it's been lovely because it's been quite quiet. But So I'd really encourage people listening who haven't because same people haven't been back to sort of real life shops. There's still a bit of nervousness. It. People still definitely feel nervous. I know yeah. my own friends are like, oh, you're going to London. I, I can't wait, actually. But um, yeah, um, yeah, I think there is a sense of kind of, you know, nervousness generally. Do you feel that in the store, Chrissy? in the stores or not such a problem when we first opened them you know understandably I think everyone was feeling quite nervous and I think gradually confidence grew and and that they started to come back just quietly and today it's interesting you know our out of town stores are really thriving whereas the stores in the big city have probably been harder hit so actually you know it's taken longer for our London stores to get the footfall back up, whereas our stores in market towns, they came back very quickly. So that Mm. was good to see. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're very focused on digital growth anyway and improving the digital experience, but this is something we were already planning for and working on. So that will continue. Mm. But it's certainly been a year of challenges. And, you know, next we've got, obviously, coronavirus ongoing then we've got Brexit, and then we have, you know, a recession too. We're certainly, I think it's the year of challenges. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting you said, could you prepare for kind of a crisis like this? I've yet to meet anyone that had prepared for it. Have you? Mm. I spoke to people in the travel industry, one person in particular, Jules Perrone, who runs Perrone International. She's sort of the London's leading travel PR and consultancy business. And she said, we've done a lot of disaster planning with most of our clients, in fact, but, you know, that's based on a terrorist attack or an ash cloud or something. So we've we've never done something on a truly global scale mm. where everything grinds to a halt. So they had quite a lot in place for clients, but just not, not to this extent. Don't so you think it's extraordinary just how quickly people adapt to this kind of new normal? Mm. I mean, you know, we're all wearing masks and we're kind of vaguely thinking it's normal. I mean, it's so bizarre. It's just mm. this ability to adapt really relatively quickly. It might not feel like that, but I mean, in terms of the total change of the way we live, it's mm. not been that long. <laughs> what do you think the positives have been? Personally, I think as a business grows, and of course we have a view about this, but because your business is obviously much, much more established than mine. But I think you know, as business grows, you get a bit further away from the detail. And so for me, you know, being we had to furlough so many of our kind of team, 
that actually there was nobody else to do the work. So it forced me to get right back up with the detail. Mm. And I actually think that has been a real positive, whether my mm. team thinks so or not, I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but uh, for me, it definitely has an, an enabled me to kind of really focus on the things that move the dial as opposed to just being busy fools, you know. Yeah. Doesn't mean you kind of had yeah. to kind of really work Prioritising what, what are the things, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anushka, tell me about you and your business and how was COVID for you in terms of, the business and sales and survival yeah I mean you know well it was like everybody incredibly challenging so you know we've got 11 stores or concessions in England and we had to close them all and obviously we are in Harrods and Harvey Nichols and Liberty and they're all those stores closed you know immediately and so we, again like you know like everybody else we were very much focused on the digital I mean we were lucky in the respect that it has been a focus for us for a long time so we had put technology in for you know for Hero which is something which does virtual consultations so that the teams are able to show people product and and do kind of proper virtual consultations and we've been doing that for a couple of years but um, it's absolutely yeah it's fantastic and thank goodness we had invested in that because obviously jewelry is a much more difficult thing to buy online than what Chrissy does and so you know that's all about kind of trust and trying to get people to understand how it feels and how it moves and all of those kind of things which is hard much harder to do virtually but it worked incredibly well and I guess what what I found really interesting I'm sure other people have said this but you know I guess before that I've always been a bit I mean my name is over the door but I've always kind of stepped back a bit from it thinking that people were not that actually gripped by what my views were, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, I, I guess I've had my eyes opened. And, um, you know, so I was found myself doing little videos from my garden. I was doing, you know, all sorts of, you know, and, and how to keep your, you know, our clients kind of interested. And, you know, so we did, we, we had a book club. I did a fantastic competition, which, you know, it was called Charm of Hope. It was really about, you know, what were people feeling and what would they design to be their Charm of Hope? And I think we had over 900 entries of drawings accompanied with the sentiment of why they designed this charm and what was so lovely about it it really spoke to the sentimentality and the kind of um, narrative that jewelry holds because that's what real jewelry is about is about longevity and what it means to the public kind of emotion what it really speaks to Mm. so that was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. It was quite a lot of judging, I have to say. And have you made a lot of changes that you think are changes to last as a result of what you've been through in the past six months? Are you approaching the business in a very different way or have you been able to get back to business as usual as it was before? For us, it's not entirely business as usual because, you know, the, depart- I mean, you know, the department stores are, are struggling. You know, those stores like Harrods and Liberty, I mean, they rely so heavily on tourists and that type of footfall that I mean they're just not here and mm. there's no huge sign of them coming so again for us you know thank goodness we we've invested in a very good digital platform and that's very much the the focus you know things are getting back to normal but you know we're lucky in that 
jewellery is something that actually, when everyone was nervous about, I don't know what you were doing, Chrissy, but uh, there was a point where people were saying you could have had to quarantine the clothes, you couldn't try them on. Yeah. Was there all that going on? Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, we're, we're not, our customers are not allowed to try clothes on in the stores, which is really frustrating because, of course, that's a very real reason to go to the store, to be able to try the clothes on. Yeah. Do you have I mean, any idea really... of how long that might last for, Chrissy? I mean, it's really hard. It just, you know, the PPE and the safety measures that we're issued with, sort of, they keep changing. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I think as as it seems the you know, the rates of the virus are, are rising again now. I mean, I expect those will probably get stricter rather than again. more lenient for the moment. But I think, you know, what was really positive out of all of this is that I think... In a way, we almost went back to operating like a startup again. And because everything happened so quickly, you just had to absorb everything that was going on. And then you had to make decisions to make big changes quickly. And you just had to get on and do them. And that is, you know, what we all did right back in the beginning. And I think yeah. as a business grows, you become slower at doing that. So it was very in a way, very exciting to be able to get back to this sort of entrepreneurial mm. spirit again. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've had to learn to do so many things differently. We're doing things like we've been doing our first customer events on Zoom. We've got face-to-face -face consultations via an iPad into the stores. So if people can't go into the stores, they can actually have a service consultation with someone in one of the stores. So they can actually take them around the store and show them what's there, um, but do it all through an iPad. Love that. That's like uh, that. That's exactly what I was saying. The R thing is called Hero, and it does exactly that. But I think the other thing that's really changed is people are, you know, they've had a chance to kind of reconsider how they spend their money and what they need and kind of buy less better. I yeah. do yeah. really think that's something. You know, that coupled with the sustainability drive, it's sort of, you know, both things are contributing to that, aren't they? I think they really are. I mean, for me, you know, what we sell is 18 karat gold jewellery, real gold. And, you know, real gold will be here in mm. two generations, in 200 years' time. Whereas, you know, there are lots of people who are talking about, gold but it's not it's gold plate over silver yeah. which is very far from the sustainable message so i think you know those are things that people are kind of reconsidering and, and that's got to be a good thing yeah couldn't agree more and are you back in your offices well anishka i know you're in your office now but um are people back in your offices or are you still working from home uh, so we've got a green team and a blue team and so <laughs> to make sure that everybody is safe and that the business can if the, somebody in the blue team gets ill that the business can continue because the green team can come in and do sort of in anyway it's all yeah. actually complicated I've, yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> I've got someone who can work it out <laughs> yeah half in um, half out yeah again I think that's another really exciting thing that's come out of this is we, we've all learned to work in a new way mm. and we've all learned that we can absolutely do a lot from home we're now back in the office probably two or three days a week and we're flexing people in and out so some are working from home some are face to face and I think the most important thing you know we've learned that we can do our quiet work at home really effectively yeah and you know when we need to be together we all come together in the office obviously spaced out very carefully and actually, I have to say, it's a joy to be back in the office. I mean, I oh. love being in the office and I love seeing the team and the, 
there is, you know, you can do an awful lot on Zoom, but I think it's really hard to build a culture and to get that real connection through mm. a screen that you can have in the office face to face. And hard um, to drive forward, doesn't it? I think you can exist and do what needs to be done, but in terms of, you know, really driving forward, I think it's hard to do that and have the energy to do that remotely. And the creative um, side, you know, there is no question that actually sitting, you know, yeah. with your team when you're trying to do brainstorming something in person. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so much more efficient and easier and just a real pleasure. Mm. Whereas Zoom, it's just not the same thing, is it? <laughs> no, no, especially, especially not the same thing when you've got half on Zoom and half in person. That to me is the worst of both worlds. <laughs> the worst of both worlds. Yeah. We, like you, are having was... a bit of time at home and a bit of time the other side. And you're right, you're so right. There, there are moments where people want to put their head down and you can do that from home. But there's also so much to but be gained. But also, from... the other thing is, it's hard. You know, we're all incredibly lucky. We've got kids and families, but there are lots of my team that live on their own or, you know, yeah. and they live... And, and actually, they quite want to come to work and, you know, mm. have a laugh and just do something normal. Yes. <laughs> yes. Someone, someone so said important. to me the other day, it's like all the good bits of my job have been taken away and I'm just stuck at home, you know, doing emails. So yeah. all the bits I liked, like escaping my children and, you know, having a bit of banter at the office and going to prep for my lunch and getting dressed. All those things have gone, which is why I loved working. And instead, I'm just sat in front of my screen the whole time. So, It's also so important, I think, to separate work from home. Absolutely. And, you know, we all need to have those clear lines of mm. when we're at home, it's downtime switching off quality time with family not time on screens and also it's just you know it's lots of fun in the office too and mm. you know there's a real community in the office too so mm. you know, we missed that yeah yeah agreed Anushka Wuhan talk to me about Wuhan the city that we'd never heard of <laughs> before this year because it's where your what top performing Chinese yeah. concessions are located is that right it is right it's absolutely bizarre I mean we started to kind of open um stores and concessions in China yeah last September. And I was due to go to Wuhan actually in February. Um, this year? Yeah, February this wow. year, that, that just as China went into kind of lockdown. But I mean, you know, Wuhan has got 10 million people. It's, it's just a small secondary city in China with 10 million people. I mean, who knew, but it's known as the Chicago of China. But, you know, it's a kind of great demographic for us. It's a kind of younger age group who are really interested in kind of not so much the kind of huge luxury brands, but something with very authentic, a real narrative behind the jewellery, behind the stories. And right. and I think we're really seeing that uh, coming out of the Chinese market, that there's this kind of new, younger, highly educated consumer that wants something slightly different. You know, we're kind of pushing on in China and we've got 12 outlets at the moment, another kind of 18 penciled in over the next 12 months. So wow. it is really exciting. The ones that you have, are they businesses as normal as before? I mean, as I said, it's really early days in China. But so, no, that is kind of growing. There's no doubt mm -hmm. that is definitely growing. I think the Chinese market actually has got back to pretty normal. That's what I mean. You know, they're they're back open and operating. and Totally, yeah. We've got two stores in Hong Kong. 
And that is hard. That's really hard for us. Because and what's the situation actually, in Hong Kong at the moment? Are they locked down again? They're kind of semi-locked down, coming out of it for the second time. But, you know, you think about Hong Kong. I mean, Hong Kong, you know, they've had all those demonstrations which started last June. So, you know, Hong Kong's had a really tough time because it wasn't mm. from demonstrations then to lockdown then to out of, you know, they've had, it's been tough in Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah, it um, definitely has. Let's talk about the brilliant breakfast. I'm sure you two are involved in lots of charities, but where did this idea come from? And tell us all about it. I got involved with Women Supporting Women, which Chrissy founded two years ago, and I became a patron of that. And um, I just found it completely compelling that we, what Women Supporting Women, the Princess Trust, do to help young girls. But the brilliant breakfast really came about because actually I realised in lockdown that it's 30 years since my own mother died when I was just 23. And as we all did, I think we had time to kind of, you know, think about things. And I realised how incredibly lucky I was to have had in my mother, my kind of an absolute mental best friend and real role model. And it actually, in 23 years, she was able to teach me a hell of a lot that's equipped me to kind of, you know, to, for my journey in life. And, and it just made me think how unbelievably lucky I was and how difficult it is for young women, particularly young girls and women, you know, who haven't got that and who really need that. And the other thing I found that when I got involved and started to talk to people about Prince's Trust and what Chrissy set out to do, Women Supporting Women, people were saying, kind of know what the Prince's Trust do, but I don't really know because they felt they should know, but they didn't. That was the first thing. So there's kind of slight lack of awareness. And the other issue was that people thought that they still think, I think, that the Prince's Trust is very rich because the word prince in it. And, you know, because it was founded by Prince Charles 45 years ago, you know, people think it didn't need money, but it really does. So this is a very long way of explaining. But actually, so the Brilliant Breakfast for me was about raising awareness and most importantly, raising the much needed funds. And the idea of breakfast my kind of vision for it is that every household should be able to have a little breakfast to raise money for this fantastic cause. And breakfast is kind of an obvious choice because I didn't, I wanted to be really easy, non-threatening and just, it could be a piece of toast, it could be a huge fry up, you know. And it's a a fundraiser though, essentially, for women supporting women. The Brilliant Breakfast is part of the Women Supporting Women initiative. Mm -hmm. Really, Mm -hmm. I think our overarching dream with the project is Wouldn't it just be amazing if we could persuade every woman who can to help to change the life of a young woman who, through really no fault of her own, has had a tough start and just really needs a helping hand? And Mm -hmm. just to give you an example, you know, the young women we help will typically have been living in extremely challenging circumstances. They'll be coping with issues such as domestic abuse, bullying, long-term unemployment, addiction homelessness or the challenges of single parenthood I mean some of these girls I mean they are just incredible I mean they'll be living at home with with a parent who is unwell and they will effectively become the carer for the parent and so therefore you know they'll start to struggle at school because they're effectively becoming the parent at home and you know these experiences you know if they if they're suffering from domestic abuse or if you know, they've been unemployed for a long time. They have a devastating effect. 
And what happens is it shatters their confidence and it shatters their belief in themselves. And so what happens is it actually just prevents them from achieving what they should be achieving. And I think, you know, you can see just, you know, looking in today's world that this is even more apparent and demonstrated when you look at the self-harm rates in young women under 17. And there's been a sort of... I think it's one of the most terrifying things for young girls to get to. I feel like when I was that age, it just wasn't, you know, there were lots for girls to deal with, but I, I find it terrifying as a mother of daughters at that statistic. And you hear about it more and more and more. It's hugely worrying. You know, this year, by the end of this year, the stats say that one in eight young people will be out of work and 80% of them will be women because of the various sectors that, you know, that women Yeah, why is that, Anishka? Because it's hospitality, it's retail, it's, you know, beauty, um, beauty, it's all of those things. And I mean, that is a terrifying stat. The most important thing is that all the things that Chrissy was talking about is the Princess Trust do so brilliantly to bring the confidence back, to teach them how to live and therefore how to go for a job and earn and improve their lives. And they do an absolutely awesome job of it. So just, you know, some of the impacts of the coronavirus have been you know, especially on young women. You know, there are young women calling because they're struggling with working and caring responsibilities. They have suicidal thoughts. There's a sort of fear of joblessness. And some of them are sadly just living in very unsafe environments with abusive partners. So being in that kind of environment and in lockdown, you can see how this year has been even tougher for this group than ever. And in terms of the breakfast and how it works, so obviously with the restrictions as they are, you're looking at six people. This is what, you invite six friends or family or however you do it round for breakfast. As you said, it's a piece of toast, it's a croissant. And the idea is that everyone donates what? Is there a sort of target amount? No, they, they can donate whatever they feel able to donate. And that's very much the point is it, it should appeal to grassroots. It should appeal to everybody. So, you know, if you can afford 50p or a pound, that's absolutely fine. But mm. 50 pounds can ensure that one young woman can travel to work for the month before their first paycheck. You know, that makes a huge difference. Mm. You know, 100 pounds could buy them equipment, buy the things that they need to do their job, whether it's a chef or a hairdresser or whatever it, whatever it is. On the Brilliant Breakfast website, it tells you exactly you know, how much money will do what, which I think is quite helpful. It's been very inspiring to see all the great ideas that have come to life in the last couple of weeks. We've got fantastic women hosting breakfasts on Zoom, so they're able to invite quite a big audience. And then we've got some doing walk and talks outside in the park. We've got some holding a breakfast in, in a fun location. I've got one group of six are holding their breakfast in a tent. We've got a breakfast taking place on the mm-hmm. gallops. But actually, many, many of these breakfasts will just take place in people's homes. And actually, do you know, all it has to be is a coffee and a croissant. And you get together with friends. You have, you know, good time together because actually right now, just being together feels great. And then at the same time, We're going to share two stories of two of the young women that we've helped and just ask everyone to make a donation 
at breakfast. And there are other ways to get involved too. You can, first of all, if you'd like to sign up and become a host, please become a host and please host your own brilliant breakfast. Make it as fun and crazy as you like or as and that's really as you like that's really the purpose of today as well isn't it to you both is to just really encourage people and and say this does not have to be complicated or lots of effort yeah. it is really just about spreading the word and if you're listening encouraging you to pick up the phone send an email to a few girlfriends a few mothers or just yeah. you know your family and, and just get involved and as you say yeah. if everyone and- raised a pound if it's 10 each if it's one each whatever you know it, it really all counts and, and we you want know, to get the word out there and get everyone on board and but this is the first year so it's so important that we start mm. it you know because actually of all the years my god this has been a difficult year to kind of get something like this off the ground but you know next year it should be much bigger and it was very much this month October really because children at school and we just thought that it would make it really easy, but little did we know that where we were going to be with the school situation. But otherwise, if you can't have a breakfast, you know, you can absolutely just donate online, just giving the brilliant breakfast. And, you know, that would be fantastic too. Looking on your website, you know, it says £25 could help an isolated young woman travel to a two-week course to get work experience. And you think, God, you know, a lot of people just don't have the funds to be able to get to a course to have a better life and, you know, to get into work and have an opportunity. So I think, you know, you don't want people to underestimate how a little really can go a long way. No, really, really don't. Every little bit makes a huge difference. And, you know, hopefully it'll just grow and grow. It'll be something that everybody does every year. It's launching on the 13th of October, which is any minute now. I am hosting five brilliant women and we're going to be posting and filming on behind the scenes and this will come out on Monday. So if you're listening, get involved. It's super easy. Just before we finished, presumably this doesn't have to just take place on the 13th of October. Presumably you could do this at any point. Uh, Absolutely. It's just, I mean, when it launches. It launches then. And no, we'd encourage everyone to do it whenever they can. I mean, ideally over kind of October, beginning of November. But, you know, we're not fussy. We'd love everybody just to do it at their own convenience. Uh, and presumably you want everyone hashtagging and Instagramming and spreading the word because yeah. this is a new yeah. initiative, a new fundraiser and you want to get everyone on board also i love the idea of a sort of a group of young girls having brunch and you know using it as an excuse just to have a a jolly brunch on a saturday with their girlfriends and do a bit of tablescaping and smash up some avocado and like make a morning of it as well i think you know just because it's for charity doesn't mean you can't make it glamorous and fun and lovely and a nice thing to do Oh, we hope people will have lots of fun doing it. Mm. And then every single penny that's raised will go towards, you know, helping one of our, you know, our vulnerable young women to have the help and support they need to go on and build a much, much brighter future. Well, I think it's an amazing initiative and a really fun thing to get involved in. And, you know, if you're listening 
and you're a mother in particular, you know, do your bit. It's really easy. There's kind of no excuses as far as I'm concerned. Everyone should be doing this. Chrissy, Anushka, thank you so much for your time. I know how busy you both are juggling all those children and work and your charitable causes. So I'm really grateful for the time to talk to you. I hope it goes really well. I'm sure it will. And um, thank you so much, Georgie, for having us. And send us in your pictures. If people are getting involved, we want to see them. So tag us in your pictures and, you know, we can share them, share them with everyone. I'll keep a white company advent calendar, which is almost sold out now. And whoever sends in a picture of the most fun, inspiring breakfast, we'll send them the advent calendar. That's brilliant. We'll post that, Chrissy, on our Instagram. And that's a brilliant idea. And I think that was that would go down very well, I'm sure. That's it for today. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends and make sure you get on and book in your brilliant breakfast. Thank you so much for listening. Bye bye.